Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Did you hear that thud? That was the sound of the roar hitting the wall as a busy playing schedule looked like it finally caught up to the playing group when they went down to the Phoenix on Saturday. It wasn't any better last night when the team travelled to Ulsan for the Champions League. Welcome to the Thomas Broich episode 22 of the Brisbane Football Review. I'm your host James Coughlin and I'm joined by Scott Owen. Filling in for Adam, who's in LA trying to sell the film rights to the Raw's 36-game unbeaten run, is a guest that we liked so much from his episode 13 guest spot, we brought him back. Was Brown from the Brisbane Raw Supporters Federation. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, guys. Good afternoon again. And Scott, how are you going? Not bad. Adam better be careful over there if he's trying to sell things to Hollywood, given what happened during the week. Don't, yeah. don't want to make him think they're getting the, the, the highlights from last night instead of the 30s came unbeaten run. I actually did hear something funny uh, on the way over here. Adam Peacock was talking about how Simon Hill had his own Oscars moment in the Brisbane-Perth Grand Final when he accidentally awarded the Joe Marsden medal to Thomas Broach instead of Jacob Burns. <laughs> that was on the FFA. Yeah, that was that, well. Apparently, that was on the guy who didn't actually fill in Simon Hill's script about who won. Geniuses. Oh yeah. Anyway, I suppose we better get on to segment one with the A League review. What is that? What do you think about that? <laughs> the silence. Metal in segment two is going to be yeah, moving on. Yeah, silence says it all. The roar went down two one to the Wellington Phoenix, and look the way the the way to sum up that game. I suppose the roar kind of played like I felt on Saturday bit flat not really all that enthusiastic and just really not up with the pace was what did you think oh look you could have forgiven that performance if last night had been better you just looked at it and said yep we're ready for tuesday and we weren't ready for tuesday either i really wanted the kids out on saturday Mm. and we didn't get them so it was a it was a warning sign in hindsight wasn't it basically this is what we were Mm. overall like from the start you could tell that the roar just I said it on Saturday. The first 10 minutes was okay. And then, um, was it Marco Rossi went off with injury? Yeah. And, and the, from then on, I just think Wellington absolutely ran all over Brisbane Raw. They really did. And I suppose what was really frustrating for me was the fact that you could tell the Raw were tired, but there wasn't anything you could do about it. It's like watching a boxer when they're punch drunk, just not being able to make anything stick. Yep. And look, at the end of the game, once Mackay had moved back into midfield, we actually looked quite good. Hmm. If you want to know what Matt McKay does for Brisbane Raw, it was there in that last 15 or 20 minutes. The ball was pinging out left, right and centre. We finished strong, but that middle hour, yeah. it, was, late. it was too, too late. Yeah. A little bit too little too late. We'll, we'll talk about some of the team selection. So Mackay and Christensen returned to the side, but Mackay did come in at, as the left back. Joe Coletti and Cameron Crestani held their places. And I want to lead off talking about Joe Coletti because he played, what, just over an hour... And I remember... He looked uh, really tired. Yeah, for the final 10 minutes, you could actually tell he looked like some of those people you see at the end of the different marathons coming in just under five hours. Mm. One of them was me, thinking they were ready to collapse. Yep. I'm wondering if uh, Matt McKay was meant to play midfield instead of Joe Clady in this game because Conor O'Toole got injured the day before the game. Maybe he was going to play left-back McKay in midfield. And then because of the injury to O'Toole, Clady had to play and he was just clearly tired and fatigued. Because O'Toole was injured what in the pregame it was Friday training I think it was they've had really bad luck with that because that happened to Corey Brown as well he did yeah he turned his ankle or rolled his ankle or something so he was out and and, and you look at Matt Mackay for that first goal he forgot he was playing left back he drifted into the middle and and, and left Schmelz free for a goal I honestly thought it was Jade North who was actually marking him and then sort of drifted off though I did as well I watched it and I posted that online I looked at it someone said mate no it was Mackay I watched it on the replay and and yeah Mackay just leaves him I haven't seen the highlights of Wednesday of Saturday's game, so you really I'll go didn't with want that. to either. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I think we can put it down to just a back four that clearly didn't have a lot of experience playing together. And look, as impressive as some of those young kids have been, you are playing an un- unfamiliar guy at uh, left back. You're playing a young kid who is going to have his inconsistencies. We talked about that all throughout the National Youth yeah. League season, and it just didn't work out the way well, it should. Have. did well though, actually. I thought he did. I think over the two games that we've seen in the last couple of days, he's probably been the best defender that we've seen on the field. He might have, but he's still young and he's still making yeah. plenty of mistakes. Like uh, We'll talk about last night more in segment two. Do we but have to? Yes. <laughs> this is a Brisbane football review, so we've got to review everything. I was going to say, this podcast could be fun if the Roar ever hit a downward slide, <laughs> I'm thinking. 
Well, we're on the edge. Mm. So Kai Rolls came on in the second half and allowed Mackay to push into the middle, into the midfield. Do you, how do you think Kai Rolls went? He did quite well, actually, for a guy making his debut in an unfamiliar position. Not the first time that's happened lately, but I thought he did quite well. He didn't wasn't the best going forward, but he allowed, what he allowed Matt Mackay to do was really, really important. And it, it did give the Raw half a chance to get back into the game, although it was just too late. Yeah, look, I think you could have put Jacob Pepper there. Anyone that would free Mackay up into the midfield yeah. to do what he does would have been worthwhile. But I think he did okay. I think some of the kids this year have been pretty good. Mm. And up front, I thought it was really tough going for a lot of the players because their passes just weren't sticking. It seemed like... Which is strange for a side that's played together so much, but the passes seemed like one guy was thinking one thing and, the, you know, maybe run right, and the other guy decided to run left thinking, oh, I'll try this. That's the weird thing. Like, the front third is position where we've got so much depth. I don't understand why those players are tired because they should be being rotated more. That's what I don't... Because they look kind of tired, the three of them up front to me again on Even on Thomas Broich, yep. who was absolutely phenomenal, as is always yep. the case with Broich pretty much, yep. aside from... But that was three games in a week for Thomas Broich, basically. He came on at half-time against mm. I mean, the Thailand side last week. Come how much did he play against Perth? He played that, the full that, game be, against Perth. That feels like five weeks ago, the Perth. He was, he was phenomenal against Perth. I think the whole side did pretty well, yeah. apart from maybe five minutes where we stuffed up with, with, with a couple of goals. Uh, but you just can't keep playing Tommy. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's too old. So I don't understand why Brady wasn't playing. He was quite good when he came off the bench, actually, for about five minutes there. Yep. Mm. Actually, just quickly, Scott, do you want to turn the air conditioning on to fan? You can actually hear that rattling in the background now. So Joys of the studio. <laughs> but yeah, you were talking about Shannon Brady. He came on as well and did make a lot of really positive runs forward. And just seeing the impact... too of, late. Yeah. We were seeing the impact of fresh legs. Yep. And look, I... This isn't necessarily popular opinion, but, but McLaren is not quite right. Whatever, for whatever reason, forget whether it's his contract, his personal issues, fitness, he's been defended better. He could have a cold for all he, we know. He, he could, but he, he's clearly struggling and he doesn't get any better during the game. He'd be better off on the bench coming on as an impact player because clearly he, 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 that kid works a lot. He runs yeah. a lot, hmm. but he's just not getting the results, even though he scored 11 goals. Much better if he was put on the bench and came on with a couple of defenders on yellow cards, a bit more tired and giving some space. And this is the thing we don't have any like options to bring on really other than two young players. And I yeah. don't think it's... We're not going to start those guys, unfortunately. No, agreed. Yeah, I think it was really... It was really frustrating to see because you could see the Raw... Overall, they would probably be the better side, but the way that they played, it just seemed like they were disorganised, maybe not communicating the way they were used to. And Wellington, yeah. they were fresh. They were ready to atone for what was an atrocious yeah. performance the week before. And just look at the improvement in their team. You just hit on the point I was about to make. Wellington, we've got to give them some credit because what they went through last week was that Bonavarti and a couple of other players, some off-field indiscretion, they got left at home. And the players who came in did, did really well. Parkhouse at left-back. Denton in the number 10 role was really good as well. So they've shown they've got some depth over there in Wellington and they just might have saved their season because they needed some points. Mm, they did. But look, it's always dangerous playing a side that's been thumped 5-1, especially the way they played. Uh, the moment they had those three guys suspended, you, 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 that's either a disaster in the making or the coach, coaches use it as a rallying point to say, guys, come on, we're better than this. And that's what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, yeah, Shane Smell's got his 99th goal, which I think is quite funny considering he's wearing number 99 on his jersey. Yeah, it seems like he's got about that many against the Raw, too. But I'm seems still, like it. I'm still in my head trying to process what happened with the Phoenix second goal because it just seemed like it was just a really. I think they just opened us up with some really good play. Yeah, it was yeah. eight passes or something, wasn't it, end to end? Uh, look, I think Fox counted it at 22. It, it didn't feel like 22. It seemed to be really quick. Yeah. The moment they got the 20. ball, it moved around, and it was in, and it was a goal. It was it's a goal, kind of goal we used to score against teams a few years ago. Yeah. Mm. But like, it was like the one against Melbourne Victory mm. down in Melbourne. Funnily enough, I always remember those sorts of goals being the Costa Barbarossa special in Postacoglu's first year, but unfortunately the Raw just don't quite seem to have it. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if maybe there's a bit of a imbalance in the squad where you've got some really good old guys with, you know, Broich, Mackay, Christensen, and you've got the young guys that maybe just aren't quite there every week. And, and there's, there's no one in between? Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I think that was the big problem going into the year. We've got a really experienced first 14, 15, and after that, it's a bunch of unproven young players who've done quite well, but they're making their first steps in senior football. They're not going to be perfect from, right from the start. So yeah. and maybe so, it wasn't the best idea, but it's gone pretty well so far. And something I'm actually curious to get your opinion on was, we've talked about this a little while, it's, is this maybe what the Raw was supposed to be last year and they just came out and majorly overachieved? Possibly. Last year's problem was we couldn't really keep goals out. This year's problem is we can't get goals in. 
Uh, and you just wonder, is it next year? Is it, is it the third year that, that Aloise is, that, that they'll get their grip on the squad? Because um, last year we did overachieve, but I think we overachieved in, in, in a season when one side can take control. And we had yeah. a bit of a cavalry charge into the finals, and, and any one of what, four sides could have won it. Yeah, it was like last week of the season, like four or five teams in the race of the Premiership. That's it. So no one really stood out. So we perhaps looked a bit better last year than we actually were because the, the rest weren't performing. Yeah. This year you've clearly got Sydney. I, I, I actually don't think they're that good in the history of the A-League, but they are that Thank good. Thank you. I've been saying that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> but, but they are that good compared to everyone else's yeah. season. And I think victory... Is, is, is ahead of everybody else as well. And then you've got the cavalry charge of, of three or four sides below them, which is where we're sitting at the moment. Mm, it does seem like there's a clear line of delineation. Like you were saying, you've got the top two, and then you've got the, probably the next three with the Raw, Perth, and uh, Melbourne City. Yep. And then you've got the next lot of guys. The next four basically fine for one spot. Yeah, the Wanderers, Jets, Phoenix, and even Central Coast, who look, we yep. laughed off back in October, I think. And all of a sudden, these guys are in contention. And I don't know if it's because... The teams around them are underachieving, or that's just the level they're at. But I think it's the fact that the Wanderers are not the best this year. They've they're kind of underachieved if you look at what their expectations were. And then they were, they were probably in the race. Also, Adelaide as well. That's the other one who's hmm. massively underachieved. Well, yeah. I think, I think <laughs> in terms of A-League underachievement, Adelaide United might take the trophy for the last 11 <laughs> seasons. I think they might. All right, so we're going to look at uh, some of the other A-League scores going around since it's already sort of going there. Melbourne City 1, Sydney FC 3... Unbelievable response from Sky Blues, I who thought, were actually Navy Blues yeah. on the night. I thought the Manny Musket send-off was really disappointing. Since it didn't, it didn't stop Melbourne City from being able to really test Sydney FC. It was like it was one all at the time, right? It was, yeah. yeah it, and it, after that, the game was... Sydney FC did well to go and just control the game and win it, but I thought it could have been a really interesting second half if it was 11 versus 11. And do you think this... Was do you think this might be Graham Arnold's best season in terms of getting the most out of his squad? Oh, without a doubt. Uh... And, and, and again, I don't think it's such a special squad in terms of individuals. There's some players in there I wouldn't pick for all. But what he's got this year is he seems to have about 15 to 18 players that just play really well as a team. And everyone's got a clear job and they're doing yeah. it to the best of their abilities. Yep. All right, so the other game on Saturday, Melbourne victory 2-1 over Adelaide. Or victory, I would say, actually probably were better than the 2-1 scoreline in the yep. end, but they were just... Guilty of wasting a few too many chances. They do. It's 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 quite astonishing with Victor this year. They they're playing some good football. They're not scoring as many as they should. Barish is having you know he's leading the gold boot golden boot race, but he's not actually playing that well. Getting better, mind you. But yeah, yeah. And things it was it wasn't that close until the last ten minutes when Adelaide scored, and then it was they could have equalised in the last couple of minutes of Adelaide if it if they had gone another five minutes, it probably would have equalised because they had about a ten minute patch at the end of the game and Victory just stopped playing. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so uh, Perth playing at home, go figure, against West Sydney. I didn't see one minute of this after seeing victory win and us lose. I'd seen enough for one night. <laughs> you were checked out? Yep. It was. Look, I, I again, very impressed with Perth's finish to the season. They're, they're looking good. I, I, Wanderers just, for me, there's something not right in that team. They've got a good midfield, but I think the defence is pretty average, and I think their attack's extremely average. So, I think they lack a striker. Yep. And also, I suppose, that, that, that is another side that seems to be relying a little bit too much on youth, perhaps. Maybe yeah. Popovich overestimated what these guys are capable of. There's another reason why they're failing, but I might save that for segment two. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little while. Okay. And then finally, Newcastle 1-1, Central Coast Mariners in the F3, M1, F3. Q47 derby. <laughs> Yeah, this is a game they're both going to look back on in at the end of April and realise that they needed to win this game. But I, honestly, I think they're yeah. probably both going to miss the six now, and it might be close to at least one of them. And they're this going to look back as a game that they yeah. were going to regret. Oh, I actually think the most you know interesting thing to come out of this game was the fact that one of the Mariners players got uh, possibly a concussion from getting punched in the head in a goal <laughs> celebration. Yes, very dangerous when the Mariners score a goal, if, if you're on the Mariners' side. <laughs> that's the second time that's happened now as well, I think. I'm talking about in the commentary. Yeah. Mm, the funny thing is, though, like we, we were watching that game on the couch. I pointed it out to my fiancé that I think it was Connor Payne punched, someone in the, punched one of his teammates in the head. I couldn't make it out from that distance. And then about three seconds later, Simon Hill said the exact same <laughs> thing. So it was one of those proud moments of going, hey, I'm actually observant. <laughs> yes. All right, so Premier's Plate. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in segment four with the weekend preview coming up, but is the race still on? No. I, th I think had City taken Sydney down, I, I think the long choke would have been on, particularly if Victory yeah. could have won. I just can't see yeah. Sydney losing it from here. You look at who they've got left to play, they're going to get too many easy points now. The only reason you can say it is on is because Graham Arnold a couple of years ago when it was season 2011-12, the year the Raw went back-to-back, -back, I think... They were 11 points clear of the rule when the rule went down. There was about 10 games to go, and Brisbane beat them. 
Mm. And from then on, they just dropped points left, right and centre. And it got to the point where the Raw had a chance on the last day to win it. But I think they needed the Mariners to drop yeah, points in there. Well, and they the Mariners didn't. needed to drop points, but it got back to within from 11 to like two points or something. So That's right. I remember because the Raw played down on the Gold Coast yep. in Gold Coast United's final game. And I was literally sitting on the couch getting ready to run to the train in case it was actually a meaningful game. And in the end, it was just the kids. Hmm. Yeah, I left it 2-0 in the Mariners game. I remember it was the second. No, I'm going to the train. <laughs> I've seen enough of this. I think Victory's problem is they need too many sides yeah. to take points off Sydney and I just don't see the sides they've got left that's going to do that. And consider this, Sydney have dropped points in 6 of 21 games. Are you expecting them to drop points in 3 of the last 6? That's going to be yeah. a big ask. Yeah. They've got 4 home games as well I think so. Yeah, it's almost like they're in Perth. <laughs> Alright, that's going to do it for segment 1 of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Woz with you right now for what will no doubt be the most fun segment we've done in the last 22 weeks. Right, Scott? Could be. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Raw's Asian Champions League game last night. Or not. No, I suppose we should. It, was it a, happened, right? It was a bit of a disaster, wasn't it, Woz? It was a disaster from start to finish. I, I, I honestly can't think of a good thing to say about the game. I can't think of a shot we had on target. I think there were a couple, but there were ones that by the time they reached the keeper, they were just sort of dribbling. Yeah. The shot count was something ridiculous, like 30 to 10. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And from start to finish, really, the Raw were pretty much outplayed by Ulsan, and it showed in the final scoreline, 6-0. It which... was a repeat of the Wellington game against a better opposition, and they uh, yes pay for it far more than Wellington did. A side that could actually make them pay, but... Look, let's just get started with some of the Facebook comments. Scott, you're going to bring those up okay, on yours? I had them open. Just keep talking for a minute, James. I definitely won't Okay, so again. the first one from Griffin, who was on two weeks ago. Um, hang on, where has it gone? Oh, yeah, by the way, Griffin, we don't need you for this week's show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can't complain. Can't compete at that level. We don't have the ability financially, technically, or tactically. Our small squads, either the lack of depth, create problems, and, and the stagnating league when you play three games against nine teams who remain largely the same level means that our progression compared to leagues in Asia is minimal. Yeah. That's the first one. And I think it's a really, I think that raises a really good question is, how much benefit is there playing the same nine teams with not a lot of variation? I think, I think this is a point that the guys on the TV were making last night as well about the competitiveness of the A-League compared to some of these Asian leagues and some of the barriers that the A-League teams have got to go through. Well, if there's any good news to come out of the two results last night, it is that that's now the conversation, that what needs to change in Australian football, because some things do need to change. 18 goals to one in four, five games now, but between A-League clubs against HCL clubs this year or something. Yeah, but the Raw did have the, uh, the only team that's gotten a point so far, so... <laughs> yep, against the group leaders, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, there's always some positives to take out of that, but I think Griffin made a really good point there about what, what struggles there are where I think these teams get so used to certain things working like we've seen it so many times with the raw having the overlapping fullbacks Broich might feed what used to be Stefanudo and last night was Kai Rolls with those guys pushing forward and that just gets cut out by quicker faster more well-drilled opposition in Asia and a, a team that just physically wasn't really up for doing that last night as well we might get to some of the reasons of things you can do about it later on yeah there are a couple of comments that we can't read due to the uh, explicit yes, nature ben, of we are it. not reading your comment out <laughs> we appreciate the contribution though uh, I've got one from Terry Lucas here talking about, yeah, again, A-League clubs can't compete with cashed-up leagues from Asia. Things aren't going to happen. And he brings up the salary cap yeah. question. Is the salary cap really what's holding back an A-League? No, not completely. You, you, you've got to look back to last year at what Sydney did and, and, and what Victory did. They did okay. They got, both got out of their groups. It, it obviously is a limiting factor, but you can go to Shanghai and win 2-0. So there are things you can do within the salary cap, but 
Yes, it holds certain sides back, but let's be honest, if we pull the salary cap out, how many sides are going to be able to, to spend a lot? Yeah. Yeah. This is the point. It's, it's one small reason why the A-League teams are struggling in Asia, but it's not the full reason. And if you do remove the salary cap, I mean, we all know what's going to happen in terms of the A-League. It's going There's to, got to be some yeah. form of regulation, but that's the topic for another day. I don't think it's the biggest reason. I think scheduling is by far and away the biggest reason. And to Waz's point, when the Raw had their best team on the field against Shanghai, they put in a fantastic performance. They put out a half, half a team against Ulsan, and they got absolutely destroyed. I think if they had more time to prepare for these games... They would have a far, everyone have a far better chance. And look, it feels, I feel bad making excuses, but Kai Rolls got caught out big time there. I think Hingit was worse than Rolls as well if we're going to start talking about individual players. Yeah, well, I was just going to specify like guys like Rolls and Crestani who, yeah, they're young guys learning how to play at a professional level. And I'm wondering what exactly is that going to do for their confidence? Look, not a lot. If you play them in the A-League, the confidence goes, goes up because they know what the, the, the benchmark is, what the level is, and, and, and they're not getting outclassed. Last night, they were outclassed. And I think the young kids did all right. I, I, yeah. I agree. Hingit on, on the right was, was almost embarrassing at one point. Um, so it's not helping. We shouldn't be playing kids in Asia. We should be playing them in the A-League, and we should have our senior players out on, on, on the ACL. And it's, all, it's almost crazy to think that maybe Franz Tyson actually had it right a few years ago when he said, all right, we're going to play... Yeah. The, the first team in the Asian Champions League try and get out of the group now, unfortunately, that didn't work. But then you see guys, you know, with jersey numbers in the 30s and 40s coming on for an A-League game. In fairness, though, back then, two years ago, the Raw had no shot of really making the A-League finals on, until the Perth fiasco happened. And I mean, I think at that point, our A-League season was over anyway, so he had no, no reason not to go all in on the Champions League. Now we've at least got, we've got both to go for. That's a, that's a big problem as well. But with the scheduling, I mean... Tuesday, Saturday to Tuesday is... It's not that great. That doesn't happen. I mean, people say, yeah, the teams do it in Europe, but they don't play Saturday, Tuesday. They go Saturday, Wednesday. Or then they go Wednesday to the Sunday. They would have far more time to prepare for these games because if you're leaving Brisbane on, Saturday, on Sunday morning and you're flying into Ulsan Monday afternoon, it, uh, I mean, you've got... It's not enough time to prepare. It's not. It's, look, one of the mistakes we make is comparing it to Europe. Yeah. If you're Arsenal, you don't get to Heathrow Airport and wait for a sh- scheduled flight to wherever you're playing. You jump on the Arsenal jet and yeah. you fly direct to the airport that, that, that you're playing at. And the same when you come back. Our guys have got to go, got to go through a lot, a lot of travel to get there. So uh, the scheduling's got to improve, without yep. a doubt. If, if we don't, we are going to have the same problem year after year. And I think we've got to increase the squad sizes, at least for the ACL side. It's no coincidence that the teams that on played Saturday and Saturday and Tuesday both got destroyed last time, particularly for West Sydney Wanderers. I know this is the Brisbane Football Review, but when you've got to go to Perth and then to Shanghai, that's a bit much. Yeah. And they've known that the particularly the Wanderers and Adelaide were in the Champions League for sure back in, in May last year when they're doing the draw. Surely you start scheduling I'd be smart about it and say no games in Perth for those teams. Yeah. A more favourable home draw towards the end of the year for those teams. I know with Brisbane at least it was a fifty fifty, but for Adelaide and the Wanderers there's no reason why they should be playing those sort of long-haul A-League trips. Yeah, but even for Brisbane, right? We've got two away games in Perth this season. When did the FFA schedule them? During the yeah. ACL. Now, you can argue they didn't know we were going to be in the ACL, but for crying out loud, it's take a punt. Yeah. yeah. Have a bit of faith in your teams, I think, would be the appropriate thing to it's say. It's nine games in 32 days or something has been so far. Yeah, uh, eight and 31, I think, was yeah. the start I saw. And we were talking about this before we recorded this segment, is how many guys have actually played in pretty much every minute of every game? I'm thinking Matt Mackay missed... One game when he broke his nose. I think it was Tong last week, was yep. it? Yep. Yep. So he's missed one game. So he's played eight. He also, I think he went off in the um, second half against Global. Halftime sub in that game. But yeah, he played, started every other game. Okay, so that's seven 90-minute games and a 45-minute stint in 31 days. That's a lot of minutes. I'm not going to... Jay gonna... North is the most. He's played every game bar one. And I think it's finally starting to show where his passing isn't as crisp as it should be. And yeah, we're starting to see the impact of that. Yeah, look, I agree. I think if, if, when you look at the entire squad, Mackay can play, Mackay can back up, yeah. right? I think North isn't far off, but he's starting to show his age. Now, that, that's, a, that's a hell of a compliment yeah. to say you're starting to show your age when you've played that amount of minutes in that amount of and time. And you're in your mid-30s as well. That's it. So tremendous uh, fitness that they've got. But then you start to look around the rest of the squad. Broish can't cope with it. Yeah. Uh, some of the other players clearly can't cope with it because we're now picking up soft yeah. injuries. So we have to play the kids more. And this is the thing, maybe, maybe we got our recruitment wrong at the start of the year in terms of depth, because we've got a lot of young players who are unproven, and there's not a lot, we started the year with five senior defenders. Look, I'd agree with that. And I think Daniel Bowles gets injured, and then all of a sudden, I think you get another injury to Corey Brown, and you're down to your bare bones with 
depth. So Yeah, we had one too many attackers, one too yeah. few defenders. That's caught us out. But again, if we go back to last winter and the winter before, what did we have? We had the annual crisis. That's got to be over this yeah. year. You've got to give John Aloisi a full winter to recruit yeah. properly. Mm. And also, I suppose... With that in mind, like not to go over old wounds too much, but you've got to give him credit for keeping some of the guys that, you know, probably... Oh, it's a would slight criticism in terms of the squad balance. It's not a massive yeah. one. It just maybe wasn't the right choice to have one extra attacking player. But again, that goes back to your point was about maybe needing bigger squads for teams to cope with the ACL. And look, yes, they've got the young... T- they are allowed 30 players, but everyone just... It's a youth team, basically, to make it up. It is, but what, I think what we need is bigger squads for the A-League. Yeah. We need to put two players on. You can have, I think it's 20 senior players and three NYL, something like that, for the A-League. Something yeah. to that yeah, effect, it, yeah. It should become 22 plus three. Yeah. You, you need to give some cover for the A-League so you can actually rotate senior players around. Uh, I, yeah, I'd say you need a minimum of 22 senior players because that way you've got cover for every position. So mm-hmm. you could have a backup striker for McLaren yeah. instead of relying... Well, we do. Katabian is supposed to be that player, as a senior player. Mm. I think Raw's actually lucky because most sides have had to drop, well, Adelaide have had to drop one foreign player. We're, yeah. we're lucky. We're going with our full 29. Yeah. And that's actually one thing that's worked out quite well is, I suppose, the fact that, that aside from Petratos, I haven't really had anyone leave. And I think we were all a little bit worried that maybe McLaren was going to go. Mm. And look, while, yes, he's not performing up to the level of last year, he's at least a competent body that they can throw out there. And can we put to bed the idea they should have sold McLaren in January? Because the Warners were looking for a striker all January and the best they could find was Ryan Griffiths. Yeah. I'd rather just keep McLaren for three or four months. If, he's, if he is leaving, just keep him for that period of time. Yeah, it's very rare to pick up a good player yeah. in that January yeah. window. It's a high risk. Mm. And yeah, there were like, we've got some other comments talking about, you know, pathetic and it's an indictment on youth development. I thought Mark Bosnich and Mark Rudan in the postgame last night went on about how it's a huge crisis for Australian football. But I saw... I forget who on Twitter, I'm very sorry about that, but pointing out that two, two, three weeks ago, the Raw beat Shanghai Shenhua, which was a massive result. And all of a sudden now, Australian football's in crisis because mm. they've had a couple of bad weeks. Yeah, I think you can explain Wanderers and Adelaide are poor in the A-League. We yeah. know why they're poor in the A-League. So they are going to be poor in the ACL. It would be an absolute miracle if they did anything different. I think you look at Raw when they started out in Shanghai. Great performance, great result. There was nothing wrong with that. And we've had some good youth players introduced, but you go forward 30-odd days and eight, nine games later, this is what happens. Yeah, and they just haven't got the bodies to cover it. Yep. And so. it would be nice if they fix this. If not for the Raw this time, then for whoever is in next year's as well, because this is not... Mm. It's counterproductive, really. One small issue with that, though. Right now, it's looking like the two group stage participants are going to be Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory. Are you ready for the people saying that, oh, now that their darlings are in the Champions League, they're going to try and fix the scheduling issues? Yes, I am, because it's <laughs> a right, it is the right thing to do. Yeah. What they have to do is keep it consistent. They also have to go back to seeding the top four in the FFA Cup, as they used to do. If you've qualified for the ACL, you should have an easier draw. We had to play Perth. We weren't ready for the Perth game in, in, in July whenever we played it. We treated it like pre-season, really. We did, and, and that, that rules it out the FFA Cup. But, yeah, they have to fix the scheduling. It's, it's, the, only, it's the only thing to do. Don't think I'll say to your points, I don't recall this discussion being had a year ago when it was victory in Sydney in the Champions League. I know, but uh, that was just something I was just yeah. waiting. I'm waiting to hear. Oh, if, it's, if it's they do, come. If they do the right thing and say, all right, look, we are going to give the Champions, League's cl- the Champions League clubs a little bit of a break with the scheduling... Because we've got that split round coming up in a couple of weeks, which, by the way, we've got to work out how we're going to fill those shows. But, you know, maybe another couple of those, and it means maybe you do have an extra midweek round during this January well, school international holidays. International would help as well, because Wellington have got a game coming up in March where they could lose 12 players. And the FA still haven't said we're going to move that game. But That's th- ridiculous. Those international breaks could be the perfect excuse for split rounds because... And you can catch up yeah. games then as well. If you do miss a game... In, say, let's say, okay, let's say the Raw don't play the game against Wellington on Saturday because it's too tired to turn around. Okay, so we'll move that game to that international time. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of things that can be done. What, what, what seems to be missing is any ideas coming out of the FFA. They just seem to say, this is the way it is. Well, what they said yesterday, we're, not gonna, we're happy with the status quo for the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Well... I think there's a lot more we can talk about that, and we're actually going to get onto that in segment three. So we're going to get out of here and come back after this break. One quick point. Oh, yep. Thomas Broich came off the bench last night. I oh, yeah, sorry, I've I forgot no, to tee you up for this. I have no, no reason, cannot understand why he came on. The game was 4-0. He shouldn't have even got off the, got off the bench to warm up. The game is over. Put the youth kids on. Uh, look, he, he was sent off the bench to walk around. Mm. He, he, whoever came Good. off And get Nick D'Agostino to go on there and walk around. Thomas Broich, that's beneath him to go out there at 4-0. That's Fair just enough. my view anyway. No, I think well, that is actually one thing I did... Blackout from last night. Unfortunately, I couldn't black out all six goals going in. But 
Past Jamie Young, by the way, so at least we can stop the uh, Jamie Young never concedes in 2016-17 stuff. But yeah. It was a good run while it lasted, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. And then... But not, but yeah, no, don't worry. It was all the defence's fault. It was never Jamie Young. All right, I'm going to go before I say something stupid. This is Please Brisbane do. Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Was with you. Guys, let's talk about some of the news, because I think we need a bit of cheering up after that ACL segment. We do. All right, so big thing that came out over the weekend, Suncorp Stadium is going to install $7 million new screens. Work begins after the concert of some little dweeb next month, and will be done by July. Do we need new screens at Suncorp, Scott? No, we don't, because, I mean, look, $7 million new screens, and you still won't be able to see the replays of the ACL incidents because they black it out. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> No, we don't need new screens, but they'll be bigger, they'll be better. Uh, what disappoints me is we're losing capacity. Yeah, yeah 2,000 seats or something, basically, because it takes it just back to just over 50. So yeah. it'll be, what, 5,500 or something as yeah. opposed to 50? That's annoying, because I just get so used to saying 52,500. But mm. that's just me. Yeah, well, I've got to admit, though, like, the screens... The, I, I'm spoiled by HDTV now. I'm just... The screens there aren't as clear as they could be, and I've seen some other stadiums around the world and just how phenomenal their screens are but my question then becomes how if you're in stadium how much are you actually watching those screens what major benefit are they oh look i, I must admit i stand in the den so i tend to turn around when it's at the far end for a controversial decision see the goal so it does make sense yeah, but replays is what you're looking at it for it is if you're going to spend seven million dollars why not hang them off the roof surely that would make more sense and then fill in the gap and give us an extra two thousand seats Okay. They should actually make those seats up because they've got the top, the corners on level seven are open. They could very easily fill those in and get the capacity back up. They might even gain seats from doing that. But Yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't affect the Raw too much until we get to a grand final, <laughs> but it, it is still... Then it's the FFA's problem anyway. It, it is indeed, yes. <laughs> well, let, let's be honest. Maybe a preliminary final. We can always hope. Yeah. but That's FFA's problem too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the stories that came out last week, I believe, was the FFA's working on a new ownership model for the clubs. Yes, and I have no idea where they're going with this because it... Yesterday, that last week they said they're looking at a new ownership model. Then yesterday they said they're happy with the status quo from this couple of years. I've got no idea what the FFA is doing. They've been working on this model for about three years. If you cannot work the model out in about three years, you shouldn't be there. Yep. The FFA is starting to look clueless yeah. on this. It honestly it seems like... It should be happening. They said they were going to have yeah. the expense criteria out by February. It's March. It's not coming for another year now. For me, the big question is... is right. like, I think we're going to get into this a little bit more next week with Adam because I'm honestly missing some of his long-winded <laughs> rants. Hi, Adam, by the way. Is... It seems like the FFA are really struggling to balance the two major, I suppose, issues plaguing them, which is local perseverance, so keeping a share of the market between the NRL, AFL, Super Rugby and whatnot, and also trying to help the game progress on a global stage, which, based on last night's ACL results, probably not in the best state either. There's absolutely so many problems at the moment you could go through with the FFA of things that they've not done. Is the, you can go take it the youth development team that Bolton went on last night. You've got the free-to-air deals to not announce. You've got expansion, which is a problem. But the ownership model is the biggest one. If teams are losing money, there's no point adding more. And that, I do agree with the point they made. If, there's, if you add more teams, it's not going to be sustainable. Well, why is, it, why is 12 years into the A-League that we haven't found a model that at least limits the losses enough? Because... It seems to be broken every year. Obviously, was mentioned last week, the Raw have had dramas the last couple of years. They're not the only club. Newcastle's had big problems. So the Mariners, I mean, and there's got to be a model that works and we clearly haven't found it and it's time we did. And on the expansion note, actually, the one thing for me is, I'd, okay, as much as I am desperate to see just some new faces coming to Suncorp Stadium, a few new yeah. kits and whatnot, I'd rather them say, look, we're going to wait until 2018, 19 to introduce two, four new clubs or whatever and make sure they get it right because... Do you have faith they'll get it right? 
Honestly, no. Right now, there I've seen go. I've well, we've seen two expansion clubs just go down the drain, and the Wanderers. Don't are, forget, they tried a team in Western Sydney, about twenty ten eleven. The Sydney Rovers, they couldn't even get it to the starting line. And that was supposed to have Lucas Neal and Tim Cahill behind it as well, didn't it? Uh, apparently so. Uh, but yeah, it is just astonishing that we're this far in, and there is no 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 model. But th- there's a lot of money coming in for the A-League, and this is what bothers me. We've just doubled the money yeah. from Fox Sports to the A-League from something like 22 that was allocated last year to, to 44. That should be enough money, plus the free-to-air, plus the commercial rights. Hmm. The thing is that money goes to cover other FFA expenses, that's the thing. It doesn't it all go back into the A-League. It is, uh, and I must admit we don't have any transparency over what the clubs do, and we don't have any, any transparency over what the FFA do. Hmm. Yeah, at the moment, this league seems to be running on the basis of private benefactors pouring money in, at some point that's just not going to be sustainable. Agreed. Yeah, we need, I think, honestly, the, and we've said this a, long, a while ago, the A-League is becoming stagnant. We're getting so used to seeing, all right, we're playing these guys again, whoop-de-doo, all of that. But now you've got to try and find a way well, to revitalise There's it. a creative way. I mean, yeah, you can say, okay, Wellington games are low-drawing, low-interest, but look at what Melbourne Victory did. They turned it into an annual event before the Melbourne Cup. All of a sudden, it's a big event down in Melbourne that people go to. There are, you can be creative with things if you, if you look at it and be smart about it. And Victory is the only one who's taken that approach so far, and fair play to them. You can, but that takes money, and the FFA's got the money, and what they give us is you've got to have a team. The summer of football, we'll get the same one we had last year, which is the race for the finals. We get three major marketing events. Well, take that money and give it to Brisbane Raw and say, right, spend that how you want. Drive up the crowds locally. That's, that's what's missing. We've got this, this, this national advertising campaign that's not working. Mm. It's hidden. I've, I haven't seen the ad all year. Well, that's that's the one thing that has, I would say, been a big problem for the A-League since day one is you talk about, oh, I'm going to the Raw this weekend. And, you know, best case scenario, you get a look going, oh, are they playing this weekend in Brisbane? I didn't know that. And you get, yeah. and the worst case is you get the blank looks of who? Yeah. Towards right. this point, I mean, with the marketing campaign at the start of the year, you've got to have a team. It was fantastic for Melbourne City. And Yoshi's gone yeah. to witness protection. <laughs> Indeed, yes. Mm. Or maybe he's actually, you know, back at school and doing something productive. Well, look, he's probably regretting his choice now, let's be honest. <laughs> Wishing he'd gone for Sydney FC instead. <laughs> Indeed, gone for his hometown too. But uh, it, it is one really frustrating thing for us to see. It's just, we all want the A-League to do well. The problem is, there are so many areas that need addressing right now, it's almost like trying to plug the hole in the Titanic and with this, a Band-Aid. And this mm. like, leadership of the FFA doesn't seem capable of, or interested in fixing them, that's the thing. You almost wonder if they've just got too many things coming at them right now and they're saying, well, what do we deal with first? And maybe once they get that first box ticked off, they've got somewhere to go. But we've had this for five years. The World Cup bid, you name it, you just go back. Whenever they get something big, like the AFC Cup, right, they they lose focus on something else. And and this is where I think we need to go towards a semi-independent A-League. We we need the club owners to to ante up and, and create an independent commission that under the FFA's supervision and the club's direction drives this league. There's a good, there's a lot of good quality yeah. in that league. Mm. And you look at like someone like Anthony Deepetro from Melbourne Victory. I don't, I really dislike Melbourne Victory, but the way that guy operates that club is fantastic. He would be a fantastic A-League chairman, someone and I, who oversaw the entire league. Okay, he'd have to divest his interest from Melbourne Victory, but he'd be a fantastic person to lead the league. Well, yeah. you do kind of wonder if he's maybe sort of eyeing that off down the line because I don't know how long David Gallup's going to be around. But... Be, he's not even a football person. I'd... No, but I'm not going to call for his head, but I mean, he's not exactly done he, a fantastic job. He's not a football person, but I still feel like he's a decent sports administrator, and he is an upgrade over Ben Buckley. Look, I, I'd agree with that. I think he's got about another year to go in his contract. My expectation would be he'll get an extension. Mm. I, I don't think he should. I, I, I do think we need someone with a, 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 some more football smarts in yeah. there. The, there's a lack of connection with the, the, the players, the clubs, the fans, and, and that's not helping the FFA. There's a, there's, oh, it's getting better, but there's still a massive disconnect from the A-League clubs and the locals league. Hmm. It's getting better with the FFA Cup, but it's only one small thing. And the FFA Cup has lo- replaced A-League teams used to play them, these clubs in pre-season out of those grounds and create a good atmosphere. Now that doesn't happen because of FFA Cup. So. Hmm. And, and I suppose one thing to consider as well is you've also got the NPL sides joining in now, so you are getting the chance to see what you hope will be some of the future stars of tomorrow, but... Just looking at, looking around some of those NPL sites, there are so many ex-Raw players, which makes you wonder how it's all being managed there. Well, if there's excitement around football in Australia at the moment, it's actually in the NPL. Yeah. After four years of the FFA Cup, it's, it started to stimulate that, and that's part of the argument behind having transfer fees. It, it creates more incentive, more motivation. Well, I think the NPL is going really well. What actually. if you say you can only charge up to $7,000 as an NPL club? That's, that's, that should be gone yep. tomorrow. You should be able to charge whatever you like for that, because I don't... 
I don't want transfer fees between A-League clubs, but if you've developed a player as an NPL club, you should be able to sell that player to an A-League club for far more than $7,000. Where's the incentive? I agree on that, but I disagree on the not needing transfer fees between A-League clubs. You, look, truthfully, like they used the example last night of Central Coast. If they want to be a development club and then have you know the big boys like the two Melbournes, Sydney FC, keeping them afloat, let them do it. Look, my view is I disagree with. I have disagreed with transfer fees in the past. When when we're losing so much money, you just think, well, where's the money going to come from? It's going to come from City, but only just. But I think we're at the point where we do need to do something radical, and I think it'll help the NPL more than it will help A League clubs. I think the biggest issue with the A-League clubs and transfer fees is they are not transferring overseas enough. You, you, you see it in Europe, they're buying players out of Africa for several million dollars. We're selling players into, into Europe for a few hundred thousand dollars. It, it, we're missing a zero. And, the pro- and also the thing about that is you get all of these Australian players that say, oh, my dream is to go to Europe. So you get the clubs that you almost wonder if they're a little bit too nice. I think they all have a lot of players get on... Um like European release clauses in deals as well, which might be towards this point of why yeah. the transfer fees are so low. Yeah. Mm. All right, so we're going to move on, discuss the Raw Supporters Federation. Was this is pretty much the main reason we brought you in here tonight. Well, so, thank, thank you for that. <laughs> so we spoke to you about, what, nine weeks ago. What's changed since then? Look, a fair bit, but we're not as visible as we wanted to be. So it, it launched, I think, pretty much on the 23rd of December. By the sort of the 23rd, 24th of January, I met with a, a bunch of strangers that had signed up and I said, I need a committee to help push this forward. Um, that's happened. So there's, there's now a committee of seven people that's driving it forward. Um, the biggest challenge we've got was to get the website up, which would seem easy, but work got in the way, life got in the way. The, the guy that was doing it got some of the commitments and, and, and had to move off. So we've got to get that website up because that's the visibility of the group. But we've now got that organising committee structured. We've got, we're getting the bank accounts opened up. We've got membership of sitting around 1,800. I've got to take a few duplicates out of that. Some of us are apparently struggling to, to, to join once. And please just do that, not twice. Um, and we will be in a position to, to start connecting with the broader fan base because what I said this should be is about all the fans, not, not just a committee, not just a small group of fans, not just the vocal fans. We need to open this up to get everybody that has an issue or a question give them a, a platform to do that and that again is the website so we're, we're well into it we just haven't connected as much with the fans that, that i would have liked to have done but i'd say we're about four weeks behind but making good progress and everyone involved is doing it on a volunteer basis it is yes we're, we're going through the, the legal structuring of a, um, a members organization is not for profit um, that doesn't forsake us from putting someone in place in a paid organization in the future but that's not the plan everyone at the moment is doing it for free in their spare time you know when I finish here the first thing I'm going to do is jump in my car and go to the next federation meeting that'll be the second time in in a week that we've had a meeting at night for about two hours yep oh that sounds good so how can people join up if they're interested if they go to rawfans.com.au you can join up there you can also see there's a raw federation page on facebook for those people that are there you can connect on there if you haven't actually joined we will pick you out of that and, and send you a nice email saying, well, you haven't actually joined. Here's the link to go and join. When the full website goes up, that'll make it far more transparent. People will actually be able to see what we do. They'll be able to see the charter. They'll be able to see the minutes of the meeting. But crucially, it, 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 it's not about all that. I, I said when I launched this, fans have got to get organised, and we do. But it's not the organisation piece that is, is the reason we're doing this. We've actually got to go and do some stuff. right? Around Brisbane Raw at the moment, it goes back to partly what we've talked about. I think there's... there's there's a sea change coming in football in Australia, right? It's not quite a crisis, but the, the, the bosses of this world are driving an agenda that's going to force change, right? If we're not organised and we don't have a voice, that change will happen to us, right? So I think we need to get structured so we can actually identify, well, what, what, what change do we want to see? Maybe you to put that voice out there, yeah. That's it. And, you know, we, we look at Suncorp Stadium, the issues that Suncorp's had, right? That there's never been a conversation around a boutique stadium for Brisbane Raw. It, it can happen. It, everyone says, well, who's going to pay for it? Well, let's not get the government to pay for it. Let's get private investors to pay for it. They do it everywhere else in the world. So if we want a, a boutique stadium, well, what do we want? Where do we want it? What should it look like? We've got to get some of those big topics going and moving forward. Please not Perry Park with the strikers. Please not. Especially if the strikers are the second Brisbane A-League club. Yep. But, uh, but that again, that does raise a whole bunch of other questions. Like just the stadium yeah. thing is... Where's that going to go? But we're going to skip that for now. We're going to stick on the Raw Supporters Federation. So overall, you'd say so far it's good, but still growing. It's good needs to do better. We, we, the, 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 the thing we have to do now is give people confidence of who we are, what we are, and, and how they can get engaged. Right? And again, what we said is you don't have to be there to contribute. We're going to make it as virtual as we can. 
either through Facebook or through chat rooms or through the use of the internet so people can actually say what they want. And everyone's got their, their, their opinion of what they think we should do. So the idea is that we're not going to do the 10 most important things. We're going to say, well, if, if there's 100 things you think the Federation should do, get online, start a campaign, start a project, and see if you can get some support. Just please don't use those change.org petitions because you get some real crazy ones on there. <laughs> no, look, the, the, the idea is for us to really get a voice, first of all, into the club. And, and we want to be as close to the club as we can be while maintaining that independence. Yeah. We want them to listen. We want to be collaborative. We want to design membership packs with them. We want to design marketing programs, yeah? Uh, we also want to get a voice into the FFA. Um, everyone talks about the stakeholders having an opinion. No one ever asks the fans. No. Yeah, and, and we are the biggest stakeholders in Brisbane Raw, right? We put more money in every year than the Barclays do. You should see my jersey collection for how much I've put into the Raw. <laughs> yeah. And yep. it, it is with little things like that. And... You're right, though. The fans don't have probably enough of a voice. Where, look, and I cringe stealing the RBB's catchphrase here, but without the fans, what is the football club? Oh, exactly. It's, it, when you think of the identity of Brisbane Raw, you tend to think of the players and you tend to think of those big grand final days. The fans generally define the identity of a team. And, and, and as you yeah. say, Western Sydney Wanderers, perfect example. Mm. Maybe it's not like a good one at the moment, but. Yeah, as Mark Walter says, the game's about players and fans. Yeah. Everything else should follow yeah. that. Players first, because we, the, the game exists for people to play football. Yeah. If they do it right, and it's, it, it's what we want, people will come and watch. And then after that, you can have a business. You can have structures. You can have franchises. I don't care. They're the two most important players and fans. And I suppose at the end of the day, you do need that fan engagement because it's all well and good thinking you know what the fans want. But if you've got someone actually willing to put their voice forward, that's got to be a big benefit for them as well. I mean, it's time the FFA did listen to fans. I mean, you're talking about stakeholders getting more of a say in the in the FFA Congress who decides the chairman or whatever. Well, the fans... Have, I haven't heard one person say the fans should have any say in that yet. Nope, and I, I think it's, maybe the, there should be an, like a national body of fans who does get a say. I, I agree entirely. And, and, and that can be hard. We can see all the challenges that all the fan organisations throughout the world have, and, and no doubt we will have them. The Dens have them. The, the, the Northern Terraces had them. Yeah. RBB is certainly having them at the moment. But it's not impossible to think that the fans can get organised, as they did in the UK through the UK Supporters Federation. Um, you, you look at the constitution that the FFA is moving towards, everyone's going to get a voice, including beach football. That's fantastic. But where is the fan? It's not there. We'll see what we can get involved. All right, so we're going to quickly touch on the local football going on over this past weekend. And we'll start with the Brisbane Raw, who went down 4-1 to Olympic FC in the NPL season opener. Scott? Yeah, so this was a game played at 6 o'clock on Saturday afternoon it was played in an anonymity from a raw perspective because obviously they were playing the A-League game at Suncorp. They lost 4-1. Young guy Nathan Noon in his first game for the team scored, but they lost 4-1. And the highlights are up on our social media. It's courtesy of Football Queensland, but yeah, it's it's hard to talk about because I mean, so there's like 30 seconds of highlights in that. It's hard to gauge anything from. One note I will actually make about the NPL round one: we did criticise the fact that they've scheduled it on the afternoon of a Brisbane Raw game. Yeah. But the counter to that is apparently there were a fair few people at all of the local grounds. So while the Raw's crowd, su- while the Raw crowd has suffered, mm. at least there were people actually going out to the local competition. Yeah, look, it does have a big impact. And, and the, the, for those people that don't get involved in NPL, I, I, I'd urge them to. It's, it's a fantastic competition. I, I couldn't do too much this weekend, but as soon as the A-League season's over, that NPL competition is a beauty. And there are some very good players coming through. And on the thing at the weekend, Jeff Foster, the football um, football Queensland chairman, I think it is, said in the paper at the weekend it's because the referees. There was yeah. not enough referees to move the, all their games to Sunday. They had to keep them sat there, otherwise they would have done so. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a lot more cooperation going on between Brisbane Raw and Football Queensland, which is yeah. exactly what we want. It's football in Queensland, mm-hmm. not just Raw and not just Football Queensland. So, um, yeah. It's a great competition. All right, so we're going to push the discussion about the young Raw squad through to next week. Just That's for t- good, yep. yeah. because I think you've got plenty to say on that, Scott. No, well, I haven't seen them play yet, a lot of these players, so it's hard to talk about people you haven't seen play. I was trying to be nice and say you've got a lot to say about the young kids. Fine. <laughs> well, right, so, so, touching that. All right, so some of the other scores. You've got Morton Bay 3-1 over Northern Fury, Far North Queensland 3-2 over Gold Coast, Brisbane City in South West Queensland. 3-1. 3-1. Play- scoring, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. I was about to remember it. Western Pride 2-2 against Brisbane Strikers and Sunshine Coast played against Redlands 1-1 in a game that was streamed on Facebook Live, but I accept this could very well have been my internet at home, but couldn't really watch a lot of that stream. No, but 
I, I, look, and I missed it. I meant to watch it, and I, it's just one of those Sunday afternoons when I didn't get around to it, so I missed it. But I did pick up the uh, South Melbourne stream some time ago, and the quality of that was pretty good. And, and the, the reach was pretty good. I think it reached about a million people, which is, is always a debatable number. Yeah. But a lot of people watched online, so I think it's a great experiment. Yeah. And it's a good way for the NPL to get some get their product out there, because I mean, they're not going to get TV coverage, but clearly there's an audience for them. All right, so that's going to do it for segment three. We're going to skip over the BPL and talk about that a little bit more next week. Yep. All right, this is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Hi James, Scott and all our listeners on the Brisbane Football Review, it's Adam from Los Angeles here and I guess uh, with the shock result from overnight in the Asian Champions League, I guess I couldn't help to give my five cents on sort of the situation and to be honest, um, I didn't see the game because of um, sort of unsuitable time zone as well as a lack of, you know, being able to see the game being here in the United States but to, to wake up to seeing news that, you know, that Ulsan Hyundai had beaten us 6-0. I think it was a real shock. And uh, given that the last couple of times that we've actually been fairly competitive back five years ago, it's really hard to say that, you know, the, the, the standard of Korean football as such or the lack of standard from, from the A-League has, has grown that far in the last five years, considering that Ulsan were actually the fifth-place team in the K-League last year. But I think the result also highlights that there's a growing sort of golf as far as the A-League, as far as, you know, the what's going on as far as the standard goes, because it, it, we should not be, be getting beaten that far. Like I said, and I think this result, I may have been coming you know, to, with, with regard to the congestion and scheduling and travel and whatnot, but to beat 6-0, there are some real issues. And I did read on social media that uh, the likes of pundits like Mark Rudin said that it was, quote, the darkest day in club, Australian club football, and another quote from Mark Bosnich you know, saying that, you know, the... the that there is a real issue as far as the salary cap goes and it should be removed. I don't know if it goes that far. I think this is maybe just a couple of, you know, shock results as well. With Western Sydney Wanderers getting beaten 5-1 by, by Shanghai SIPG overnight as well. But I think it's certainly cause for concern. And I think, you know, with, with things going around with expansion and even the ownership model, uh, I think there's a lot, lot in it. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a result that's coming right here that the Raw haven't won since I left for the United States um, early in the month. And, and like I said, we play Newcastle this Sunday and hopefully we can turn around the form, but at the moment it's not looking good uh, with two straight losses after a series of draws. But in the end of the day, look, we're going, all we can do is have faith that, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at the negatives of the Brisbane Raw. Well, I think also you've got to look at the positives that, you know, all sun from Bowl reports were very, very good last night. I think they showed that they're better than what they were sort of credential with. Anyway, that's all from me for, from Los Angeles for now. I'll be back next week on the show, God willing, and, and I'll talk to you then. Have a, have a good one all. Jay from the USA. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the Switch 1197 Studios for the Brisbane Football Review. We're part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Woz with you. And that sound you just heard was actually Adam giving us a little message from LA. So, Adam, thanks for contributing, finally. <laughs> see you next week, Adam. Yep, he'll be back on Friday. And actually, there will be a chance for you to see Scott and Adam this weekend. They will be at a, the, the Switch barbecue at the um, Albion Bunnings on Saturday. They're raising money for the stations that come down and... Yes. We are well. Adam might be back. I reckon we might be able to. Adam's doing it. He just re- doesn't know it yet. No, we could replace him on the show. I reckon we've had some good guests the last three weeks. Thanks, Wallace, for coming in. Before. Yeah, Griffin and Richard as yep. well. So we appreciate yeah, you we guys. Got a rotation policy now. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> have we got a deep enough squad for this? I think so. We've got some good depth. As long as we don't have to dip into the youth team. Okay. I don't actually know who would be on the youth team. I'm not but, sure. But no. Yeah. So uh, Sunday, Saturday, Saturday. Yep. At Bunnings Albion. Yep. Come join us see what's going on there, and you can actually see why we do radio instead of TV. <laughs> yes. I was at the last one. It was actually in the car park just down at the end of the 
like down in the bottom car park, so not actually up the top near the garden entrance. So make sure you come down to the right area. It's a trade entrance. Now, Scott, how can people get in contact with okay, us? Okay, so other than the barbecue at the weekend, you can listen to our podcast on Audio Boom and iTunes. You can also listen to the show on Switch 1197, Facebook, Brisbane Football Review, Twitter at Raw Review. And not for a while, but do we do fan cams after games, but just in the Northern Plaza's a few weeks between games now. So I've been very happy with our guests the last yeah. few weeks. We've had it's some really good, good yeah. ones. We had a little uh, birthday message for Terry on the weekend, yes. big 3-0, so I think that'll be the last time you catch me singing on microphone. <laughs> Alright, now the reason we're stalling is because we're five days away from the next Raw game against the Newcastle Jets. Look, Wellington, probably the least interesting opponent you can have in the A-League. Newcastle, close second or third. Are you excited about this game, Scott? Um, excited, no. Expecting a reaction, yes. Because everything that's happened the last week, the Wellington game, dropping to fifth in the A-League, this um, All-Sun game. And also, last time we went down there to Newcastle, they did us up 4-0 and they've won both games this year so I'm expecting a reaction yeah so it was 4-0 in round 2 and then at Suncorp Stadium it was 2-3 to Newcastle and actually probably the most notable thing to come out of that game was Wayne Brown leaving to get back to his wife for giving birth that's right I completely forgot about that (laughs) a great achievement yeah And, and the fact he made it on time good for him yeah I can think of several people that probably wouldn't have been allowed to fly to Brisbane with his wife due but you never know yep All right, so Was what do you think? What do you think? Some of the things the Raw can take away from the first two games. Well, the Jets are a bogey tie. We know that. Uh, I don't actually understand why they are. Um, I think what I'm looking for here is 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 two reactions. There's a reaction to those first two games. Round two, we just didn't turn up. Whether we were fatigued or tired early in the season or not fit enough, we'll 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 wait to see. I think the three-two was was closer than 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 we should have made it. We had chances to win that one. So we've got to learn to deal with sides like Newcastle that are slightly over-aggressive, slightly dominant, so we've got to learn that. And then I think, just like yourself, we've got to have a reaction. This, this game will tell us what to expect in the rest of the season. If we can't perform this Sunday with a better performance than we've done over the last couple of weeks, even with all the injuries, even with everything else, then I think it's a very bleak outlook for the end of the season. And finals is not secured yet. I know we're eight points clear of, of seventh place, but if Newcastle win this weekend, that's cut to five. Yep. So it's not, and with all our travel and all the rest of it, it's not fully secure. So this is a really important game, in terms of securing the final spot guaranteed, and also top four finishes massive. We need a home final week one. We Absolutely, do. and I think we may have mentioned it last week, but that Manny Pacquiao fight that was supposed to be taking place at SunCorp on the first weekend of finals, yeah. when the Raw would be hosting if they finished yeah. third or fourth, that's now been cancelled. So yeah. it's it's that was really well, it's a, not cancelled, but moved to. It was really a non-factor right? because given the, I think the Raw are away in Thailand in between weeks one and two anyway, so they would have been playing Friday night. I think whether we're home or away in week final finals, it would be the Friday night game. I think it would have been an issue had we have played the following weekend and yeah. we would have had to turn up to another pitch that was, was, was damaged. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a non-issue. But yeah, we have to get that home first yeah. final. Mm, because there is a big difference in records for the Raw away from home and at home in the finals. But the all-time record against Newcastle, it's actually surprisingly even. So they've played 36 times. 13 wins, 11 draws, and 12 losses. Yep. So you're pretty much hitting about 50%. In Newcastle, the Raw aren't too bad, though. Nine wins, six draws, four losses. It used to be really good. It used to be the case where they'd win up here and we'd always win down there. But it's mm. kind of... They've won more down there than we have up here in recent times. So it's kind of why it's skewed. But mm. Now, there were a few issues come out of the All-Sound game, most notably yep. Thomas Christensen. What sort yeah. of team selection would you run with, particularly in midfield, Scott? Um, well, we'll have to wait and see what happens when they all get back from South Korea. But I think Christensen, if given he came off, I don't think you'll see him play. But because I think there's a 10-day break now between after the Newcastle game, I think you just got to get through this game with whatever bodies you have, and then you can freshen up after that game. And this might be the perfect chance to play Papadopoulos. Uh, yeah, look, I'd agree with that. And I think possibly Devere might be back as well. I think the midfield, I'd like to see Mackay back there. I'd like to see us give the front three a rest. Yeah. You know, Tommy Orr, I think, has been playing really well recently, but we can't over-fatigue him. I think McLaren, he's trying, but he's just not getting anywhere. And Barello, I think he's coming on beautifully. I'd, I'd like to see those three on the bench, the kids playing up front, and, and, and just give the game a good shake and then bring those guys on later if you have to. So I'm just trying to think, how would you line up the front three? So I'm guessing you'd have Katavian up top? Yep. And then D'Agostino or Brady on the wing, or both? Or possibly both. And, and, and uh, look, it depends how Arana pulls up. Um, Please, no. I can I just point out, he was absolutely woeful last night. We didn't mention it in segment two, but he was awful. He look, wasn't the worst player, though. <laughs> he, look, it was an awful team performance. Yeah. I, I, I think the, 
the, the the train's left for Iran. I don't think we'll see him again next season. I think there's a point where there were, were yes or no. But as a visa player, he hasn't done enough to secure. Yeah. But I think we're at that point where it's not just about playing the best players. Yeah, it's about just giving some of the best players a rest. And yeah. I think Irana fits that bracket. Well, Holman didn't play on last night, so you'd say he's likely to start this game. In that number 10 yeah. role in behind the striker. Yeah. And beyond that, I suppose, yeah, Mackay would play. Left back is going to be a bit of an issue. It's interesting. If Conor O'Toole has overcome that ankle injury, this is the perfect chance to throw him in. It is, yep. Otherwise, you'll probably see Kai Rolls there again. And look... <laughs> Well, I suppose for me, the big question then comes down to how are they going to shut down Andrew Naboo, who I think has been far and away Newcastle's best player this year? Play better. Yep. <laughs> he's also hasn't been the best the last couple of weeks. I mean, I was listening to the commentary on the weekend. I said the last couple of games, he's been a bit quiet. So maybe he's dipped in form just a little bit. Look, I think right at the beginning of the season, we had more of a defensive mindset, whether it was a 4-2-3-1 or whatever we were trying to play. We seem to have lost that over the last few weeks. There's a huge gap between the back line and the, and the midfield. So I'd like to see it be a bit more compressed and try and hit them on the break yeah. a little bit more. I think that's the way to go here, given the fatigue factor of the rule. If we can sit back and hit them on the counter-attack, it might be the perfect strategy. Against a Newcastle team that has to win. They'll look at this as a must-win game, given where they are on the table, the travel, yep. everything with the rule. They'll think this is this is their moment. So. Yep, and I think one thing we can't afford to do is go a goal down. Because yep. we're, not, we're not in, in a good position to chase the game. I haven't seen the stats of an Aloisi team chasing games, but I don't think it'd be very good. No, well, I, like we are, we do know the Roar are capable of those miraculous last-minute comebacks. I have to admit, when it got to stoppage time at 6-0 last night, I sort of <laughs> gave up hope of the Roar mounting one of those. But, you know, if they do go... And you didn't think that last minute, the last 10-minute sub was going to change the game? Mm, no, I, thought, I still had hope until that stoppage time board okay. went up. <laughs> but, yeah, I think overall, we've got to see a reaction from the Roar, but... I right now I just think it's a case of they're probably thinking what they play Sunday night at 6 o'clock I wonder how many of these guys have got a few days down at the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast booked for Monday to Wednesday just as sort of a recovery yep. freshen up oh, and get ready for the run you home. should give them a few days off but one last one I forgot to mention this earlier talk about the young players Dane Ingham his fifth game he's already played three positions now for the Raw started at right back moved to left back now he's back on the right wing I mean you talk about young players that's hard to do when you're playing different well, positions but I, yeah I do wonder that maybe if the left back isn't actually sorted but you do have maybe Papadopoulos and Devere playing in the centre you could move Hingard over to the left you could and put Ingham I suppose on yeah. his comfortable side because we saw him playing on the left against Global or Wantong Wantong that's right uh, I think it, he might see um, Jay North get a rest and Papadopoulos play next to Cristani or at least one of North or Christani get a rest and Papadopoulos play in the middle. I think mm. that's be the way it's going to go. If Devere's healthy, I'd say rest them both. I'd say leave... The, given the way Luke Devere's body has let him down so much, I would just say, look, just just take the day off, take the week off. Yep. Get ready for the game in Japan, which in terms of the context of the Champions League, we need to get something out of that game now. We do. We and we're going to need Luke Devere in that game. Yep, agreed. All right, so... Some of the other fixtures coming up this weekend. Friday, undoubtedly the game of the round. Sydney FC, Melbourne victory in the Big Blue, which is replacing what was originally meant to be the Friday night game, which was the Roar and the Jets, but yeah. thankfully they were a little bit flexible with the Champions League. Makes a change, FFA. Sydney yeah. FC, I, well, they can put away the Premier's played. Yep. This well, is going to be an interesting game because this, in a lot of people's estimation, is a grand final preview. So I'll be interested to see what's going to happen in this game. It's not a grand final preview. The Roar is still going to make it. I think that as well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, my view is, I think... Sydney will they don't need to win they just need to stop victory winning yeah and I think Sid Sydney's discipline this season has been excellent I don't think victory have got that level and Sydney's anyone... excellent at stopping teams from winning that is the midfielders Mr O'Neill etc absolutely loves the foul you stepped yeah. on my punchline I was going to make that joke about Graham Arnold we'll make it anyway yes well if anyone's good at stopping an opposition team from winning it's Graham Arnold it doesn't always help him win but that just really lost all the impact didn't it <laughs> and now I look like an idiot Saturday Wellington what else is new <laughs> Sorry, James. <laughs> yeah, we're getting a little bit punchy in the final few minutes of the show. <laughs> Making up for that fight that's not going to be at Suncorp. That's right. So, Wellington versus Perth Saturday. Perth actually have to make a away trip for once. Good for them. Yeah, long away trip from as well. I think it's the longest in domestic football or something. Depending on the uh, promotion relegation in the Russian top flight, I believe. Yeah, something mm. like that. And then Western Sydney against Adelaide. Uh, <laughs> that could be a painful one to watch. At least they get to play each other. Yeah. So, and then Central Coast against Melbourne City, which 
I think is probably going to be the underrated exciting game of the round. No, I think so as well. Yeah. The Central Coast have got to be fancying their chances to at it least depends hop. which Melbourne City turn up. If they turn up in the form they went to Wellington with two weeks ago, it could be a bit of a bloodbath. But City are very inconsistent. And, and that, look, that's the same for Mariners. Yeah. Right? They, they, they can turn up and play a good game and they can turn up and they are just below average. Mm. Well, so this before, at least the Mariners are a competitive team this year. That's it. All right, so we're going to move on to the tips. Brisbane against Newcastle. I'll lead us off this week for okay. once, and I'm going to say 2-1 to Newcastle. Before I tip, don't be afraid to stitch Adam up, because it'll be held against him, not you. I'm going to say <laughs> I'm going to say it'll be a 2-all draw. Yep, and was slash Adam? I'm going to go 2-0 raw. I, I just can never tip against raw, but I do think we've, we've got it in it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Was thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. I think we're going to have to have him back on before the end of the season. Yeah. Just give another update on the Federation, see how it's going. Okay, that's great. And, yeah, Adam will be back next week. We're very sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Hi, thanks. Adam, how are you? Again, he's not here. Yeah. I've got to get it in before yeah. he comes back in the studio. Good to see you again, James. Yep, all right. Everyone enjoy the football this weekend. Hopefully the Raw can get a win. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.